A few weeks ago, Andrew Jones hit his 400th Major League home run. Then he said, and this is a quote, I'm just happy to get it over with. It's like he just passed a kidney stone. Andrew, you're a Major League Baseball player, and you just hit your 400th home run. What? I'm Alex Reisner, and you're listening to Game of Chance, a show about baseball, statistics, history, culture, and the role of luck in baseball. So the full quote is, 400 is great. It's a good milestone to get. A lot of people don't get there, but I'm just happy to get it over with and look forward to just going out there and having success and helping this team get to the playoffs. So why was this home run so apparently unenjoyable? Jones started the season fast, hitting nine home runs in the first month. Then he didn't hit his 10th until a month later. His next came a month after that, and at that point he had 399 career home runs, so maybe he thought he'd have to wait another month or until mid-August for the 400th. But it came just five days later on June 11th, so maybe that's why Jones was relieved to get it over with. Another reason he might be glad to be past it is because of the media attention being a distraction to the team. Players often talk about this while they're approaching a milestone. But if you're on the White Sox, the only major league team with their own reality TV show, a once great struggling outfielder stumbling towards 400 home runs is just not the biggest story on the team. But of course, there's another possible reason Jones was glad to get it over with. Maybe milestones are stressful. Maybe personal stat maintenance is a real burden on baseball players especially when it comes to round numbers, like a 300 average or 20 wins for pitchers. Al Kalon and Andres Galarraga both ended their careers with 399 home runs. They just couldn't get that last one to get them into the 400 home run club. But what's the difference? Aren't Kalon and Galarraga pretty much as good as Duke Snyder, who hit 407, or Darrell Evans, who hit 414? If you think there shouldn't be such a distinction between 400 home run hitters and sub-400 home run hitters, where do you draw the line? What about Dale Murphy with 398? Joe Carter with 396? Greg Nettles with 390? Where do you draw the line? Maybe you don't draw a line. Maybe drawing a line is exactly the problem, because you always exclude someone who's close but not quite there. You can't lower it to include that other guy because, well, there's always someone else. And you can't talk about the 397 home run club because people will think you're an idiot. And that's the bottom line, really. We think in terms of these milestones, which are really just artifacts of our base 10 number system. We know it's not really reasonable, but it's so much a part of how we think about numbers in general that we just can't help it. One of the most exclusive clubs in baseball is the 40-40 club, which is also one of the most ridiculous. 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases in a season. What's so important about getting 40 of each? What does it prove? If it was the 35-40 club, Bobby Bonds and Eric Davis would have done it before Canseco. Are they significantly worse power speed guys than Canseco? Maybe 40-40 isn't the ideal combination. I mean, isn't a home run more valuable to the team than a stolen base? Maybe it's more valuable to be 35-40 or 30-40. It's kind of like a triple-double in basketball. Double digits in points, rebounds, and assists. But 10 rebounds are worth so much more than 10 points in a game. It doesn't really make any sense. Maybe it would be more valuable to know who scored 15 points, got 10 assists, and 8 rebounds. Anyway, my point is, these milestones are totally arbitrary. 
They don't come from the sport. They're imposed on it without any good reason. Baseball wasn't designed so being a 300 hitter was good. Baseball was invented. People played it. At some point we started keeping track of batting averages. And at some point later people started to realize that there weren't a lot of batters hitting over 300. So that became the mark to beat. There weren't a lot of batters hitting over 307 either, but we don't like numbers like 307 because they look stupid. So the round numbers win. Relative milestones, like leading the league in wins or batting average, seem more meaningful because they're more organic. They grow out of the simple facts of the game and the season. There are two pitchers in a game. One gets the win, one gets a loss. There are a lot of batters. Each gets hits sometimes and not other times. And you can compare all these counts among players. If a player gets more hits than any other player, that seems significant to me. Whether he had 199 or 200 hits doesn't seem so significant. I think you know all this. I don't really think I'm telling you anything you don't already know. But what's amazing is how hard it is not to think like this. I think the reason is that there's so much information that we need a way to quickly put numbers in context when we hear them. So if a batter hits 300, we know he got a lot of hits. If he hits 40 home runs, we know he hits for power. If he steals 50 bases, we know he's pretty fast. This is a lot easier than remembering that Jose Reyes stole 64 bases one year, and so that's pretty good. And Prince Fielder never stole more than seven. And so-and-so is pretty average, stole 26. It's much easier to remember just one number. Oh, and by the way, yeah, Prince Fielder really did steal seven bases in his rookie season. But here's where it gets really weird. These benchmarks have become more than just convenient mental shortcuts. They affect the game itself because players want to get certain numbers. There are stories about players sitting out or playing games at the end of the season for the purpose of reaching a milestone. The most famous probably being Ted Williams' 1941 season where he played the last game out of fear that his 400 average was really 399. Now this story can't really be confirmed, but it's certainly not the only one like it. And while it may not be true, there are others that certainly are. There's also the fact that Williams did not win the MVP award that year, despite hitting 406 and winning the Triple Crown. Joe DiMaggio won the MVP because he had a 56-game hitting streak, which is more a numeric feat than a baseball feat. And what I mean is, during the streak, Williams had a higher batting average, a higher on-base percentage, a higher slugging percentage, and hit more home runs than DiMaggio. So he probably contributed more to his team. There's also cases where pitchers have been given extra starts or even used in relief when going for their 20th win of the season. Bobo Newsom and Rip Sewell both got their 20th wins in relief in 1940, as did Jim Bunning in 1957 and Randy Johnson in 1997. And there have been other guys like John Smiley in 1990, who got their 18th or 19th win in relief en route to a 20-win season. And then there's Edwin Jackson a few weeks ago being left in a game way longer than he normally would have because he was on the verge of pitching a no-hitter. He was so wild that he walked eight batters and would have given up a run if it weren't for a great defensive play by Mark Reynolds. But no hits is no hits. It's not that much better than a one-hitter, but a no-hitter is big news and a one-hitter isn't. Diamondbacks manager A.J. Hinch let Jackson throw 149 pitches. And I'm sure that in some way he was probably wishing Jackson would give up a hit so he could take him out of the game. As it turned out, Hinch took some heat for his decision when Jackson's arm felt sore the following week. But of course he would have taken more heat 
if he had taken Jackson out of the game with a possible no-hitter in the works. So there are some examples, but to me, these are the most shocking facts. In baseball history, there are more pitcher 20-win seasons than 19-win seasons. And there are more batter seasons with an average of 300 to 303 than with an average of 296 to 299. In other words, with milestones, more guys just make it than just miss it. Now, a lot of people have tried to explain this phenomenon, but I've never read or heard anything totally convincing. Can players really turn it up a notch when they want to hit a milestone? Do opponents get nervous and play worse? Extra appearances for pitchers and fewer appearances for batters explain some, but not all, the discrepancies. So, it's up to us to keep speculating. Uh, finally, there's this. Hitting 500 home runs has for a long time been considered automatic entry into the Hall of Fame. Every eligible player with 500 home runs is in the Hall of Fame. Fred McGriff ended his career with 493 home runs. He was also 10 hits short of 2,500. 2010 was McGriff's first year on the Hall of Fame ballot, and he got 21.5% of the votes. In case you're not familiar with Hall of Fame voting, that's not very good. That's less than half as many votes as Barry Larkin, who was injured so often he only qualified for the league leaderboards in half the years he played. Fred McGriff didn't hit 500 home runs, but he hit exactly as many home runs as Lou Gehrig. Now that's an accomplishment. 500 might be the traditional milestone, but sometimes just comparing numbers with other players can tell you so much more. Andrew Jones is only 33 years old, and he has more home runs than Joe Carter, Dale Murphy, Al Kaline, and Andres Galarraga. To me, that's the real story. That's the substance. That's what tells you how good Andrew Jones is. And I think we all know that, somehow. But still, we just can't ignore those numbers that end with zero. I'm Alex Reisner, and you've been listening to Game of Chance. If you want to talk, give me a call at 32323-00233. If you want to write something, leave a comment on the website, gameofchance.alexreisner.com.